welcome back to a special episode of the Two Guys One Topic podcast. I'm Ollie. And I'm sitting in a Tesco's car park because that's where the Wi Fi is. Liam. This week, we've got a special listener's choice episode for you. Take it away, Ollie, from Maidenhead in the UK. Hi, guys. Um, I've really been enjoying the Two Guys One Topic podcasts over the last couple of weeks uh, it breaks up the uh, morning walk with the dog as a bit of a foodie and a home chef enthusiast i've always wondered how the michelin starred restaurants become certified how they get their stars what's the difference between the one two and three stars so um suggested that one as a as a topic for for your potential uh, potential discussions so um looking forward to hearing the outcomes best of luck thanks very much bye okay thanks ollie so ollie's given us the topic of michelin stars so we've had a week well, obviously we don't know much about it we've given ourselves a week to research it and hopefully we're about to share with you the most interesting things that we found out sounds good to me let's crack on with it All right then, so Michelin stars. As we all know, each week we start by just discussing what we did or did not already know about the topic. And uh, let's go straight to you, Ollie, then. What did you or did you not already know about Michelin stars? Uh, I knew it was related to food, of course. I knew that it was something to do with restaurants and something along the lines of the nicer the restaurant, the more Michelin stars that they might have. I think I quite like food and like going to eat out and try different places. I don't think I've ever really paid too much attention as in I want to go somewhere just because it's got a Michelin star. But um, yeah, that's that's about all that I knew about them. How about yourself, Liam? Okay. The, <laughs> I don't know if I've said this at any other point in this series, but this is so far away from anything I care about. I care so <laughs> little about food that, that I don't even know if I'm going to care about this after we've recorded this <laughs> so um um i mean i would happily eat pasta and sauce all day of every day i just i just don't care about food and therefore i i, I you know i know what you know um you know you got more michelin stars does that mean the restaurant's better but in my eyes that just means it's more expensive and pointless going there because just... because you just see food as fuel exactly just eat and then move forward like why do i need to be paying 700 pounds for a free course dinner you know let's get i'll pay seven pounds let's move forward from there so um yeah i, I don't it's interesting though it's funny it's one it is interesting reading about it you know anything if you don't know about it so definitely do you think before we get into it how are we going to pronounce this pronounce what the word michelin michelin Oh, you mean are we going to try and say it properly? I don't know how you say it. Anyone speak French? Let us know. Michelin. So we'll just be saying Michelin. Oh, no, I was going to say Michelin. Michelin. Not not Michelin. Okay. All right, then. We'll go with that then. So uh, anyway, so I guess we should probably start with um, the first thing I Googled is like the history of it. And how did it start? It's it's obviously been going for a long time. Um, Where did it come from? Where did you get on that? Yeah, brilliant. It's... It's, yeah, as you say, super interesting when you get into it and how it actually came about is incredible. So the first guide was compiled in 1900, so 121 years ago, and it was by the French tyre-making company, Michelin. Which you may well know, right? As in the Michelin man. 
exactly one of the most famous um logos in the world is the michelin man his name's babendum isn't it i think yes i said that right that's right and it yeah, started that... by the the two brothers andre michelin and his brother eduardo michelin they were trying to think of a way to create more demand for their tires because they're a tire company and so trying to promote the use of cars and by doing that people would then wear out their tires quicker and have more need to then buy new tires yeah so they essentially came up with like a travel guide didn't they for it was originally paris and uh, the guide was basically if you drive around paris here are some places where you could stop for petrol. Here are some places where you could fix your car, where you could stay overnight in a hotel. And here are some restaurants that you might want to eat at on your drive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and at this time, there's less than 3,000 cars in France. So it's there's, there's, there's not much of a demand for tyres, which is why they were trying to come up with this idea to have another reason for people getting out and about and giving them some help on where they should drive their car to. Yeah, or where you could go or what might be worth going to see and basically sort of, you know, trying to promote stuff so people drove, increase the mileage, that sort of thing. And they gave it away free at the very beginning just because they were trying to get it out there. And initially they gave out 35,000 copies of this free guide to, to as many people as they could. Until eventually they started charging, didn't they? Uh, yeah. I think it started on seven francs or eight francs. I can't remember which number it was. It was basically a few francs. Um, and did you read why? Yeah, I, I found this interesting. You can share it, though. So, yeah, it's a rumour, though, at this point. Rumour has it, one of the two brothers visited a mechanic shop where they found their guides were propping up a workbench because the yeah. guides were given away for free. And uh, they they went with the idea that, that, I think it's a quote, is it a quote from them, maybe? Man only respects what he pays for. Yes. So they basically stopped it being free, didn't they? And they just started charging for it. Um, they removed advertising from the magazine because they were charging, so they didn't need to have the advertising space, which I guess um, um, made it better to read. Uh, you know, it's a nicer read if there's not full of adverts. Yep. Um, and then they started charging for it. Exactly. And it wasn't until 1926 when they actually began to start awarding Michelin stars for fine dining establishments yeah so for the first 26 years it was just eat here don't eat here or whatever and then i guess eventually they start they, they gave stuff um they gave stuff a single star if they were considered a fine dining establishment that was it there was no one two or three stars it was just yep. one star these are the star you know it's a star places to eat everywhere else is good but this this is the dogs this is where you want to go and then it was five years later, like you were saying, in 1931, where they then introduced this hierarchy of having zero, one, two, or three stars. Um, and then it was then finally in 1936 that they that they published what the criteria for the star rankings were. Yeah, so I guess a lot of people, um, a lot of people have contacted us and asked us about to find, you know, what are we going to find out? Can you find this out? What is the difference between the three stars? So. Let's go then. One, a one-star restaurant. Have you got that in front of you? Yeah, is considered a very good restaurant in its category. Yeah, so just a, a very good restaurant. I don't know what would that mean. Like a Chinese restaurant would be a very good Chinese restaurant or a very good Korean restaurant or yep, whatever the cuisine would be. Two stars is excellent cooking and worth a detour. Now remember, at this point, we're still talking about cars driving around. So, so what they're saying there is this one is worth you pulling off of this road to go to this restaurant if you're if you're sort of near it 
Um, so it's and then they still use those. Um, what we're saying now, these are still used today, aren't they? Yeah, these so are the original original terms that they came up with, and they've yeah. kept them in place until today. Yeah. So one very good restaurant, two excellent cooking, worth a detour, and then three is exceptional cuisine, and that's worth a special journey. So this is where they're saying that diners eat extremely well, and there's distinctive dishes that are precisely executed using superlative ingredients. But yeah, three stars is exceptional cuisine worth a special journey. Yeah, basically drive to that place, isn't it? And you remember, they were trying to sell tyres here, so they're basically finding the absolute best restaurants and saying, actually, this is worth you driving to just of itself, of, of a journey all on its own. Yeah, so not even you. not even a detour. Yeah, get, get in the car and start driving because yeah. this is just worth you getting. And, and they're still true today. Yeah, so those three stars, that is still true. But So you can, they do, don't they? They have... um. They haven't, I don't know if they don't call it zero stars, but they do have restaurants that are not quite worthy of one, two or three stars, but they've got special names, don't they? Yeah. So they, they've come up with over the years, a couple of other awards that they offer and they're, they've got one called a bib gourmand. <laughs> I hope I've that. said that right. My French is absolutely terrible. But it's gourmand. Gourmand, do you think? So a bib gourmand. And the idea behind this is they introduced it in 1955 and it was an extra criteria, which was um, to acknowledge restaurants that are serving high quality food, but at moderate prices. Yeah. So so nowadays, it's, these establishments will have a menu with a starter, a main and a dessert, and it will cost a maximum of 33 euros. So what's that? 28 pounds or 29 pounds, something like that, maybe. Yeah. But it's interesting, the name behind that as well. Uh, gourmand. Yeah. yeah. So uh, gourmand, gourmand, gourmand is someone who enjoys eating and the bib part of it is the short a shorter name of bibendum the the michelin man so it's basically saying the michelin man enjoys eating at these places and uh <laughs> yeah the quality and price are the only criteria in awarding a bib gourmand is uh what their website says so they sound ideal we need to get a list of those don't we yeah, and you can get a list of those. They do exist. Um, they're just because what happens is, isn't it? The inspectors go to so many restaurants over time. They will sit in a restaurant that is really, really good, just yep. not into the one, two, and three star category. And they've obviously that you know they can track that and keep keep tabs on where those are, and you know give them recognition. So but it's it's even things for the bib gourmand. It's like street food as well, especially when you start going in, into Asia. Okay, that's where um, a lot of street food then gets in the category of a bib gourmand. Okay, interesting. So, talking of Asia, we mentioned in the week, didn't we? We said before we fired text back and forwards and back. Um, just talking about some of the cities in the world that are most Michelin starred. Well, I suppose, yeah, before we jump into that bit, it's something we didn't point out earlier. So, it started in France in 1900 and then very gradually and slowly edged out into neighboring French countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it then gradually went into into the UK and it was in Belgium and then it went into the, the Alps as a region. But it wasn't until 2005 that they published its first American guide. And it wasn't until 2007 that they added in Tokyo. So it's only relatively recently even that they've then branched out to become um, it's come available in 32 different countries. But it is worth saying when you say America, that they don't they don't release guides for a whole country. It's like cities at a time, quite yes. a lot of the time. So when you say America, 
it's in like New York was the first one and they've got one in San Francisco and Chicago and DC. Um, but they, they don't have many in many cities. You know, it's not, you can't just go to any city and get a Michelin yeah. guide. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's certain cities in certain countries. And I, I suppose it's what you're about to come on to and just say like, how, how do you get one? And it's because there are people going out and inspecting the restaurants, aren't they? Yeah. So they go out they, Yeah. So they've got, did you, they're like the CIA. It's super secret, aren't they? They're, they're <laughs> yeah. completely secret. Nobody knows who they are. They spend their whole lives just eating in restaurants. There is an there's an interesting interview. I read it on the on on the Forbes website. Uh, they interviewed someone anonymously, and uh, he he's an in- inspector and he he answered some questions and he he was saying how they travel about three weeks of every month to have a week off and they eat ten meals a week, yeah. which is you know three hundred and something meals a, a year um secretly yeah one it was interesting when i started reading about the inspectors and their role in it so it's completely secret but these people always eat on their own i mean is it just me you don't it's not typical when you go out to restaurants that you see people eating on their own you know surely there must be clues that the restaurant know that somebody's in there who could quite possibly be an inspector yeah that's all anonymous there are yeah there are um I was reading someone else, some other chefs talking about it. They, um, there, there are things they look for because it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be that they go in secretly so that the, sh- so that the, um, the inspector gets a genuine experience. Like which what makes sense. Getting, which makes yeah. total sense, doesn't it? You know, they should, they should be getting what we're getting. It's not like, you know, if we in school, for example, if Ofsted turn up, we all know Ofsted are there. So we will act slightly differently. It's not quite what it really is day to day. Really? Really? <laughs> That's true. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> if you know Ofsted's coming, stuff gets done differently slightly. But anyway, so they're trying to do this secretly. Um, but obviously, if chefs know they're coming, they can react accordingly. And there are some ways they know. So, yeah, one thing is if they've had a booking for two people, which tends to happen, and then it gets cancelled into one or they they cancel one of the I don't know. How do, you, how do you cancel a booking? Is that the right word? They just reduce it to one. Yeah. So it's always like, oh, if suddenly it's only one person, that rings bells. Yeah. Um, there's been stories of people um, have booked a table for for one, and they've booked it using a mobile number, but then they give a di- different mobile number to the con. What are they called at the start of um, a restaurant? Those like a concierge. Yeah, that might be what it's called. That table, the person you book the tables with, but they give a different number. But then they phoned back the original number and it's gone straight through to the Michelin headquarters because that's where <laughs> yeah. they booked the table from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sort of gives it away a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, stuff like that. And um, Or they, they'll book a table under one name, like a, a fake name, and then pay for it using a Michelin credit card or whatever with a different name on it to what yeah. they've booked. So then like the chefs will phone around all their mates in the area and be like, look, if this guy books, actually it's somebody else and a... You know, you, you know, we were saying that they're like the CIA. Yeah, not very good at it. <laughs> Maybe there are some things they could work on to try and be a bit more secretive. Yeah, <laughs> than what but, they're doing. So, did you read about how they train? So these guys, you know, they've decided to become secret agent inspectors, and yeah, I was training. I, yeah, I looked at, I looked into a little bit about how to become a Michelin inspector and it's saying that you need to be someone who likes to travel you're interested in food of course um but it's they say it's a lot harder than what what you might think and they were saying to to try and become an inspector you need to have a 
a bachelor's bachelor's degree or you know a lot of study in culinary arts or hospitality you need to have worked as a restaurant manager or in the food industry for about five to ten years to have that experience you then also need to be able to be good at writing and develop your writing skills maintaining a a blog or being able to describe food in a vibrant and colorful way um, to, to get it across and also then it suggests that you've got a decent social media following already even though you'll be anonymous just because you'll then have to be writing anonymous social media posts so there's yeah a few things in terms of then checking what your criteria is checking the website making sure that there's an availability of a posting which they don't come up very frequently apparently and then when you get into it it's a six month getting yourself up to speed by shadowing someone else yeah so you shadow senior inspectors don't you and um The point is you need a frame of reference. You need to know and experience what a one-star restaurant is and what a two-star is and what a three-star is um, so that when you start doing it, I guess, on your own, you've got something to reference it to. They also tend to go away from... So they've got something called their home market. Basically, they live in New York, so they they do the New York ones. Yep. Um, But what they do is they'll spend time away from there. So they might go to Hong Kong or they might go to London to just see see what that sort of food is like. Because you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna have to review a Chinese restaurant in New York, of which there will be loads, it's probably useful if you spend some time in actual China, trying actual Chinese food. Yes. Um, and you know that sort of thing. So this, so the, yeah, six months basically following and eating, I guess. Man, yes. You must put on some weight, mustn't you? Well, the, yeah. Apparently, they're they're more of a slender bunch than you might imagine. But yeah, you've got to be mindful. It was saying they try not to have foie gras as a twice in a day or something because it's extremely so, fatty just so we're clear i've got no idea what that is <laughs> the poshest thing i know is dauphinois potatoes and that's just creamy potato slices <laughs> that's the poshest food i know i don't know anything else i don't know what a foie gras is you probably don't want to know either i don't know what i honestly i could i could if you i could not tell you what it was i don't know if it's part of an animal and i wouldn't know what animal it was and i wouldn't know what part it was <laughs> i don't even know it might be a vegetable i don't know <laughs> so 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 what is it the inspectors are, are doing what what is it the inspectors are, are marking people on that's exactly what i was just coming to great minds um so they're in these restaurants they've trained um they go in anonymously they've managed to get a table without giving away who they are <laughs> um, and what do they look for uh generally it's five things they look for so they look for the quality of the produce and the ingredients so I guess the, the things are actually on the plate, the mastery of the cooking of those ingredients and the techniques used by the chef, the harmony of the flavors, consistency. So they do. I read they do go in quite a lot um, over a yep. year. You know, they, yep. it's not one visit. They will go in over and over again and they might send their mates in or other ones in um, yep. other ones, other inspectors in um, to you know, make sure it's consistent. Um, and they're, they're looking for the chef's signature. Like what does a chef, how does a chef put a spin on it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And it's it. So it's just important what you're saying there is very much focused all about the food. What you're talking about is the the produce, how it's been cooked, how the the flavors have been put together, that there's some skill that's been um, put in place to come up with this cuisine that you're having. And then also the, the consistency of that quality. Nowhere is it saying about it being 
a super posh place about the service, about the ambiance, about the decoration, yeah. about anything else that that maybe people might associate with a Michelin star place. Um, yeah, that's that's sometimes a, a misconception. I've um, I've actually written, we, we do this with notes in front of us normally, don't we? I've got notes in big capital letters, only about the food on the plate, not the place. Yeah. That has nothing to do with where you are, like you're saying. It's just what is on your plate. Um, and that's that's summed up. Um, Hong Kong, I wrote somewhere. Hong Kong, you can go to a restaurant in Hong Kong, which is the cheapest place in the world to eat in a Michelin-starred restaurant, where they do dishes starting at $1. Um, so I, I didn't actually write the name of the restaurant down, so maybe I'll put that in a post at some point. Uh, but you can go for, oh, yeah, dollar. But, but the food on the plate, unbelievable, apparently. Nice. That sounds like somewhere you and I need to go. Well, if it's one dollar, mate, I can go with one dollar. So I can I can eat anywhere for one dollar. <laughs> you start going into twenty one dollars, and I start bulking on that. And... <laughs> so, I think so. We we were saying a, a little bit earlier about um, yeah countries and them being all around the world. I was just going to throw in something about Tokyo. Go on and just talk a little bit about some of the the cities. As you were saying, it's not countries; it's cities that get recognised with with Michelin stars. And Tokyo has the most Michelin stars in all of the world. And in the top 10 list, Tokyo has more stars than number five to 10 on the list. Put together. Put together. Yeah. Um, so Tokyo uh, has 226 Michelin starred places. Uh, the next, so then just quickly, number two is Paris. 119, Kyoto, 108, Osaka, 98. So that's really interesting because three of the top four cities in the world are Japanese. Yep. Um, so that's, you know, go to Japan if you're a bit of a foodie. Uh, New York is fifth. And then, so Tokyo has more starred restaurants than the following five cities combined. London, Hong Kong, Singapore, San Francisco, and Barcelona. Which yeah, could have been a two guys, one topic takeaway. You can, you know, you can have that as a cheeky bonus one. Uh, <laughs> that is nuts though isn't it that is really really nuts absolutely incredible but a lot of people you know think it's the be all and end all and and chefs you know really you know strive to get these michelin stars be that a one two or a, you know a third michelin star for their restaurant but there is a little bit of controversy that surrounds them as well isn't it it's not everybody's yeah. cup of tea yeah it's a bit like um, some of the other stuff we've talked about before in other pods, it's, it's a bit money sort of rules the world a little bit. And what happens here is it, tourism boards quite want there to be a guide for their city. So they pay money for it. So is it in their Michelin's interest to then say they've got more starred restaurants than perhaps they do have? Well, um, Michelin, the Michelin guide is a designed to be a profit-making business. It's not a charity. They're not doing it out of their own goodwill. Mm -hmm. It is designed as a business. Yeah, and there are, there are other occasions where they haven't been paid for by... No, I think one time they said they were paid by a tourism board, but it, then they had to backtrack and say, actually, it wasn't a tourist board. It was a company, like a hotel chain, who paid yeah. for us to come out because in... Lots of, uh, I think it is lots of Asian cities, all the really good restaurants, all the swanky restaurants yeah. are in hotel chains and yeah. casino chains and things. So they pay for it. Yeah. So they pay for the guide. To, they pay for Michelin to then make a guide about their city. Yes. Um, yeah. But like there's no, there's no, no guide for Australia or 
you know, there's hundreds of countries don't have guides. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's only there's there's not there's, I think there's less than ten in America. Bearing in mind how many cities there are in America. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's uh, a. It's also interesting that chefs, they sometimes even when they get the Michelin stars, they don't necessarily want them. And I just found it really interesting reading about once once you've got a Michelin star, your bookings go up. Yeah. By over 25%, like overnight, straight away, you get busier. And also the clientele that you then attract, they then are more demanding of you. Okay. And so they then come in there and coming back to what we were saying about it's only rated on food. People have this perception where it's rated around all the service and everything else that goes with it, everything around the yeah. outside. So people go in there, chefs are already working 60, 70 hour weeks you know, working as hard as they can, producing this magnificent food. And then they get given a Michelin star or a second Michelin star. And the clientele that come in gets so demanding, you know, they get, you know, they start making wild demands or they start then, uh, you know, criticizing things that the chef has no interest in them criticizing. And so they they say that they then want to hand the star back. But it's yeah. not as simple as that, is it? Yeah, it's not actually a star, is it? They don't actually get something. Um, it's just, it's like a review um, it's like a review of a movie or, or something. Um, you know, you, you can't give it back because it, it isn't actually a thing. It's just someone's opinion. It's just Michelin's opinion is held in quite high regard. Um, but on that note, sort of particularly with the age of the Internet and social media, there's a lot of restaurants and chefs and things who are starting to care less about Michelin stars because it's now more about are you number one on TripAdvisor? Do you have the most Instagram likes for your food? You know? Yeah. When you, when I go on holiday, I, I'm not a foodie, but I do check TripAdvisor reviews and I do yeah. look for, I honestly, I search cheap eats, which one's <laughs> the best cheap eats always. Cause I don't really care, but I like going to a nice place. Just, I'm not going to pay a lot of money for the food that I don't really care about, but I will search it up and I will go to the number one ranked cheap eats place. Yeah. I won't look for, is it on Michelin? Well, you um, might do now. You might be searching for Bib Gourmand. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but i got two little kids and i'm not taking them to somewhere posh <laughs> that is not happening um yeah so so is so there's a lot um there's starting to become a bit of a um i don't know what the word is uh less people are starting to care about michelin the start you know are they sort of living off past glories from like yep. the 50s and 60s where it yep. was important and it was an actual thing whereas nowadays does it really matter quite so much you know, do, do chefs really care? Probably. Yes. I don't know, maybe yeah. not. Yeah, that's interesting. This is a bit of a spoiler for everybody. Coming up this week, we've got a topic expert interview, haven't we? Yeah, we do. We have an interview lined up um, on Friday with a Michelin-starred chef. So we and, can start uh, asking him some of these type of questions about yeah, what do, it was like what to, does he, to does get he it. Care? Does it matter? How much more stress is it? you know um hopefully we'll get some of these answers cleared up for you all um because like you say our research only going to take us so far you know we can read blogs and watch videos and stuff like that um but you know until we are somebody who really knows we're not going to know so we will find out for you so yeah so a little bit of controversy it's something that a lot of people try strive for um but some people it's it's not the be all and end all so we'll find out a bit more should we finish up with our two guys one topic takeaway yeah go on then you can go first today because i think mine's better so i'll save mine to last so my one is about marco pierre white he's a very famous 
British chef. And he was actually the youngest chef ever to receive his third star. And he was at 33 years old. Um, he's quite a celebrity chef in the UK and he's trained other famous chefs such as Gordon Ramsay. But he actually then decided that he wanted to hand back his Michelin stars. Um, he started to not like the fact that people were coming to his restaurant and he wasn't there serving up the food. Oh, and he wow. felt like a little bit of a fraud. So he said he compared it to if you were to go to a concert and he, I saw him say this in an interview, he said, it's like, if you went to go and see Elton John, you sit down, you bought your tickets, expensive tickets, go and see Elton John, the curtains lift up and it's Elton John's understudy who's come in and actually playing the music. So he felt uh, like a bit of a fraud. If he wasn't actually at the restaurant, people weren't enjoying his art, his culinary skills. And so he actually requested that Michelin remove him from their guide in 1999. Wow. That's nuts. It's true. Yeah. But yeah. You know, if you're a young chef nowadays at 33, do you, like we said, does that matter? Like, would you rather have 2 million Instagram followers for your restaurant or something yeah. like that? Um, you know, do you, yeah. who's that guy? Salt Bay, right? He's a chef, isn't he? Yeah. Is that his name? Yeah. Like, do you think he cares about it? Or does he care about the fact that he's got however many million Instagram followers and like, that's how he gets people to his restaurant? Like, yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Um, well, and then what's your two guys one topic takeaway mine is so the Michelin guide was put on hold during the war during the well both wars but we're going with the second world war for obvious reasons um, but in 1945 the British army asked Michelin for backdated 1939 copies so the last guide before the war started they said could you reprint 1939's copy because their maps of France were the most accurate maps of France at the time so wow. they, wanted the, the, they wanted the Michelin guide for France, not, not to know where to eat, but because the maps that it contained were so accurate that the, the army could then use them. That's incredible. However that's, they a, them. that's amazing. I love that. I love that. One, yeah. one final thing. I did mean to say this earlier about um, how important it can be to, to people. I read a few times that famously Gordon Ramsay cried I read this. Yeah, when yeah. his New York restaurant lost its second star in 2013, um, but he already had a a three star Michelin uh, restaurant in London. But yeah, apparently it meant so much to Gordon Ramsay that he actually cried when his restaurant in New York went from two star to a one star. Wow, poor guy. Let's tag him and see if he wants to interview us and mention it, talk to us about it. <laughs> so brilliant. Yeah. We hope you've enjoyed listening, everybody. Hopefully. You know a little bit more now, uh, especially Ollie. That was the listener's choice episode. Yeah, keep suggesting topics, everybody. We had some really random things that people suggested we do. Yeah, so, absolutely uh, brilliant. But like, we will, yeah, we were saying we might do a whole series on it where you just do 12 episodes of completely random things. Well, they're always random anyway, aren't they? Yep. But yeah, really enjoy the listener choice, listener suggestions that come in. Um, if you think of any more whilst you've been listening to this, let us know. So hopefully... You've learned a little bit more about the Michelin stars. You can get out there and share some knowledge. Yeah, share that knowledge, everybody. See you later. Thank you very much for listening, everybody, to our episode on Michelin stars. Like we said, listen out this week for our topic expert interview. And we'd love to hear your thoughts. So get in contact with us at Two Guys One Topic on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Catch you next week. Share some knowledge.